0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. This morning, as we prepare to take part, ...in the Lord's Supper, we're going to ask the question, why the Lord's Supper? We want to be thinking about the things that we do in church. Why do we do them? Why do we have this special meal? We've been in the midst of a sermon series called Taste and See. And it's a series looking at the life and ministry of Jesus with the background of food and drink, with the background of meals that Jesus participated in. Today we're going to look at one of those meals, but it's a meal that continues for His people. Why the Lord's Supper? Let's look at the first Lord's Supper this morning. Mark chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 25 if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. The Bible says, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful, In the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father we pray that as we prepare to take part. In this special meal. That you ordained. We pray that you would prepare our hearts. Through your word. And by the power of your spirit. We pray that you would. Deal with each one of us. Work in our hearts. In deep. And beautiful and significant ways. Right now we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Chris Say is a pastor in Texas, and tells about preaching a sermon about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom that is coming. And after he preached that day, a young man was, was leaving church, and he grabbed him by the arm, and he said to him, Pastor, the kingdom of God is already here. See, every Sunday, I used to be in this neighborhood, and I was at a bar named Emo's, and I would start every Sunday with a drop of ecstasy on my tongue and wash it down with Bacardi 151. That's what I did Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But now I come here instead and I finish the evening with the body of Christ on my tongue and I wash it down with the blood of Christ. This is the kingdom of God. That young man had gotten a taste of the kingdom. That's what I want us to get today. Why the Lord's Supper? Why do we do what we do when we take part in this meal? Well, to answer that question, we're going to go back to the first Lord's Supper today. What do we see here in this text? First of all, Judas makes his move, verses 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now Matthew and Luke both fill in some details here. Matthew tells us that Judas actually went to the chief priest and asked them, what will you give me if I deliver him to you? How much money will you give me? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And this squares with what we saw last week in John 12. Because we saw there that Judas had already been embezzling from the money bag. And he, 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 he lusted after money New Testament scholar David Garland, <clears throat> in commenting on this, says the best place to detect the source of evil in practically any matter is to ask who profits from it financially. If you've ever seen the, the film All the Presidents Men about Watergate, Robert Redford plays the role of Bob Woodward, Washington Post reporter. And he would have these secret meetings in a parking garage late at night in Northern Virginia and he would meet a secret source of information very close to the heart of the conspiracy. And in one of those clandestine meetings, the shadowy figure says to Bob Woodward, if you really want want, want to understand what's happening here, follow the money. The Bible says that if you want to understand what is at the, the source of so many evils in the world... Then follow the money. Or more accurately, follow the love of money. Because money is neutral. Follow the love of money. Because where you find the love of money, there you find the, the source of so many evils in the world. First Timothy 6 and verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, Judas's love of money is going to result in the piercing of Jesus, but it's a piercing that Jesus is going to come back from. His love of money is going to result in his own self-destruction, which Judas will not come back from. Now Luke, in his account of this, really stresses the satanic activity that was involved in Judas's betrayal. And in fact, it says that as Judas prepared to betray Jesus, that Satan entered into him. And as we saw a few months ago, when we were going through Ephesians 6, we have to understand that we are all involved in a spiritual warfare the Bible says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. We're involved in spiritual warfare. We have a supernatural enemy, the devil, who seeks to destroy us. And so therefore, we have to be alert, watchful. 1 Peter Chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And as we saw last week, the way to avoid becoming a Judas is to be humble enough to confess that we could become a Judas were we to drift away from Christ. As we talked about last week, we need to be humble enough to look ourselves in the mirror, each one of us, and say, I am a potential Judas. And the way that we avoid becoming a Judas is to stay humble. And to stay alert. To be watchful. And to never allow our lives to drift even a little bit from the Lord. Because of our sinful nature, because of satanic activity, if we allow ourselves to drift from a close walk with Christ, then we can become a Judas. We are capable of all kinds of acts of betrayal and evil against Christ. And just to, to, so that we would be even more sober-minded and watchful about this, we need to understand that it wasn't just Judas before the end of that night. Really, all of the disciples were going to defect. In, in verse 50 of chapter 14, it says, They all left him and fled. And listen, if it could happen to them, The 12. It can happen to you and me. We have to stay watchful, stay humble, stay alert, stay close to Jesus. Judas makes his move, but God fulfills his plan, and we see that And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there. Prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now throughout these verses we see exactly who is in command. Who is in control of everything that is happening. And listen, it wasn't Judas. And it wasn't Satan. Satan. And it wasn't the Pharisees, it wasn't the Sadducees, it wasn't the chief priest, it wasn't Pilate, it wasn't the Romans. Jesus is calmly in control. He's in total command of every detail that is happening. Albert Schweitzer once wrote a a landmark book, really, in New Testament studies. It was called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And it was a landmark book in the field, but his view of Jesus was really messed up at this point. Because Schweitzer sees Jesus as sort of the the victim of unforeseen circumstances says that Jesus was sort of a, a man who tried to take hold of the wheel of history and turn it, but in the end, He was crushed by the wheel. The, the victim of, of circumstances that He could not possibly foresee. Are you kidding me? I mean, Jesus is in control of everything that's happening here. He's in control of the timing of it. It's Passover. And Jesus is... Determined that that He is going to die as the fulfillment of Passover. That He is going to be sacrificed as the ultimate Passover Lamb. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5-7, For Christ, our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. So Jesus here is totally in control of the timing of this. He's totally in control of the arrangements of this. Tells them to go in. They're going to see this Man carrying a jar of water there to follow him. The upper room is already going to be there. It's going to be furnished and ready. And then he says, in, it says in verse 16 that the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. I mean, everything, every detail, Jesus is in total. Control. It's just God's plan is just being fulfilled. I mean, how encouraging is it to know that events in our lives do not take God by surprise, <laughs> especially when we go through hard times? How encouraging is it to understand that that God is not taken aback by it; He's not surprised by it. In fact, um, He's working all things together for His glory and our good. And he's, he's already, he sees the big picture. He's already well ahead of us. I love what Johnny Moore says. God is always a thousand steps ahead of you. Trust Him. Trust Him. God fulfills His plan. The third thing that we see here is God's sovereignty and man's Responsibility. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Verses 17 and following. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him, One after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with Me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Now, we just talked about the fact that God was in control of all that was happening. That, that God was just bringing His, His plan to fruition. And that's true. But, but does God's sovereignty, God's control in this... Does that absolve Judas of responsibility for what he did? Of course not. And these verses just reek of unimaginable treachery. Jesus says here in verse 18, He says, One of you will betray Me. One of you will. One who I personally chose. One who has done life with me for three years as my brother. One of you will betray me. Jesus says in verse 20 that one who is dipping bread into the dish with me will betray me. This is really a fulfillment of Psalm 41, 9, which says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And in John's account of this, in John 13, it's pretty clear that Jesus actually takes the bread and dips it and offers it to Judas, extends out his hand and offers it to Judas as if to say, my heart is open. Come home. Don't do this. Come come home. My heart is op- still open to you. And he does not. He hardens his heart. He, he goes out. I mean, this is just unbelievable love on Christ's part and unbelievable treachery on the part of, of Judas. <clears throat> and God's sovereignty... Just because His plan is being fulfilled, that, that, His sovereignty does not cancel out human freedom. It, it does not absolve us of moral responsibility for our choices. See, in Scripture, you see both of these things side by side throughout the Bible, okay? God's sovereignty, our responsibility. The Bible, in the Bible, both of these things coexist. They're side by side. Often they're in the same verse as they are in verse 21. Look again at verse 21. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. It's God's plan, it's God's sovereign plan. The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him, God's sovereignty, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. That's human responsibility. And so, we can't do away with either one of these things. We don't know exactly how they, how they fit together in the mind of God. But they do. They do. They're both there in Scripture and we need to affirm both. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Now we get to the heart of this. A new covenant. A new covenant. Let's look at verses 22 through 25. And as they were eating, he took bread and, after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. We mark significant moments in life with food and drink, right? Birthdays, weddings anniversaries. We mark these special moments in life with food, even if it's just a birthday cake. And the food does more than just feed our bodies on those occasions. It kind of feeds our souls, too, because those are settings in which we're gathered with people that are special in our lives, people that we love, people that love us. And those times in life, they, it does more than feed your body. It, it kind of it nourishes your soul as well. The Passover meal was like that for the Jewish people. It, it didn't just feed their body far more than that. It fed their soul. Because on that night, Passover, Passover night, as they remembered the Passover, Families would gather together. One of the sons would ask the father the question, Father, why is this night different from all other nights? And the father then would retell the story of Passover, the story of the exodus The glorious story uh, that that told about how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He would tell the story of that that first Passover when God said there's going to be judgment that's going to to fall upon Egypt. But if you will sacrifice a lamb and sprinkle the blood on the doorpost of your home, then the, the, the angel of judgment will pass Over your home. You'll be spared. You'll be set free. And really, it was a story about substitution. Because in every home in Egypt that night, there was either going to be a dead lamb or a dead child. And those who took shelter beneath the blood... Would be spared. Now. Jesus. At this Passover meal. As they get to the part of the meal. Where this story would be told. Jesus departs from the script. And instead of telling the story. In the way that they were accustomed to. His disciples sat there with jaws dropped as Jesus holds up bread and he says this is my body and he holds up the cup of wine which was usually done at a normal Passover meal but now Jesus says this cup is my blood see Jesus was saying that all of those sacrifices. All of those millions of, of Passover lambs. And Jerusalem on this very night is swelled with pilgrims. Hundreds of thousands of them all there sacrificing their Passover lambs. But Jesus has said they all have pointed to Me. It was all about Me. It was all pointing to Me. And it's His blood that really takes away sin. It's His blood that truly provides shelter for us. Some years ago, there was a fire in Yellowstone. And after the fire, park rangers were trekking up a mountain in Yellowstone. And they were, they were in this area that had been just completely burned over. And a ranger looked down at the base of a tree in this scorched area, and he saw kind of a hideous sight. It was, it was a bird that was just petrified and, and almost carbonized by the intensity of the fire. Just a, almost, practically like a shell, a carbonized, petrified shell. But you could tell this is a, a bird that had just, had just stayed there and as the flames just consumed it. And the ranger knocked over this bird. And three little baby birds, living baby birds, just scampered out from beneath it. See, it was a mother who was sheltering her chicks beneath her wings as the fire descended on the area. Rather than running, this mother sheltered her babies beneath her wings so that they would be spared. Now, what, what does Jesus say as He rides into Jerusalem on the day that we remember today, Palm Sunday? What does Jesus say as he comes down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem on this day, he's weeping. And what does he say? Luke tells us that Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. But Jesus was willing and before the end of this week Jesus was going to gather not just the inhabitants of Jerusalem but you and me. Under his wings, and he was going to be consumed. Jesus was going to be consumed so that we can be spared. His blood was going to be spilled so that those who are under that blood can have life. That's what this table is all about. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the glorious truth of the Gospel. We thank You for the way that we, we see how Your Word just ties together Old Testament and New in just such a beautiful, majestic way. And how the story of the Gospel just weaves its way like a scarlet thread from Genesis to Revelation. And that every story in Scripture whispers the name of Jesus. We pray that as we prepare to take part in this special meal that you ordained, that you would work in each one of our hearts. We pray that if there is sin in our lives that is hindering our fellowship with you, that we would repent of that. That nothing would be hindering our intimacy with you. Or our fellowship with other people. We pray that if there are broken relationships in our lives. That need to be restored. That uh, you would deal with our hearts. Because we know that hinders our walk with you. And so this is a time for us really to examine ourselves. Before we eat the bread and drink the cup. Deal with our hearts. This is a time to rejoice in the fact that although all of us are so unworthy to take part in this, that you've opened the door for us to take part in it, all because of grace, all because of your sacrifice It's the ultimate lamb of Passover for us, your resurrection from the dead. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Man, If you're here today as one who has taken shelter in Christ, who has trusted in Him alone as Savior and Lord, then He certainly invites you to take part in this special meal that He has ordained. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need. Now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, To know God through His Word, through prayer, and through His people, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it, and then pour out your heart to in prayer, and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk. Virginia. I'd, I'd love to meet you, and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people.